congregation, we begin our worship by confessing that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the greeting of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's open our Bibles this, this morning to, first of all, Exodus chapter 2. read in Exodus 2, the verses 1 to the first part of verse 15, and then we'll turn to the New Testament and read there Hebrews eleven twenty three to 28. So first of all, we read from Exodus 2. And this is the word of God. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. So far in Exodus 2, and then we turn to Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. 
by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So far, the word of God. The text for the sermon this morning is Hebrews 11, the verses 24 to 26. We'll read those verses again, verse 24 to 26 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Imagine you were a young person, just finished college, and you were offered a fantastic job, the job of your dreams, $500,000 salary, free housing and a car, and you could travel to all kinds of different places in the world for that job. But then you say no. You refuse that job. Well, imagine that's something like what it must have been for Moses. He lived for many years in great luxury in the palace of the Pharaoh of Egypt, lived the life of a prince. All the rich trappings of royalty. As a stepson of the daughter of Pharaoh, all possibilities and opportunities were open to him. And he just had to say the word. It was taken care of. And he could have lived his whole life in luxury like that. But he didn't. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's what it says in the text for this morning. And we'll pay attention to that this morning. And I proclaim to you Moses' choice in the light of the text we consider. One, Moses refused Two, Moses chose. In the third place, Moses saw. And in the fourth place, Moses believed. First of all, let's pay attention to his refusal. We read in Exodus 2 about the birth of Moses and how he was found in the river of Pharaoh's daughter and how he was raised by his mother, his parents at home for a time and then went to the palace and lived there. Then we read, too, how he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, it says. His people. His people. And that was the people of Israel who had become slaves in Egypt, you, you know. And they had to make bricks. They had to carry those bricks to build cities. And they were driven by slave drivers who beat them. 
those slaves were his people. His brothers and sisters. And he looked on their burdens, it says. He didn't look then on them and their burdens as a detached observer. Look and then go back to the palace and have supper. No, he went and looked at those Israelites who had to endure knowing that he was also an Israelite. And he had compassion on them in their suffering, empathizing with them, wanting to deliver them from their suffering. And congregation, in that we see that the spirit of Jesus Christ was already living in Moses at that time. Think of how it says in various places in the Gospels that the Lord Jesus Christ went out and saw the crowds and had compassion on them. He was the son of God who had left his heavenly home to visit his people, his own people. And it says in Matthew 9, 36, for instance, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus Christ made himself one with his people and that desire to deliver them was in him. The Old Testament, the Old Testament, the Old Testament mediator, Moses, he showed that same spirit of the great mediator. In fact, the same spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ will live in everyone today too, actually, in a certain way. It'll live in everyone who is truly united with him by faith, that spirit of compassion and caring and wanting to help your people, your brothers and sisters, giving what you're able for the work of mercy and taking time to make a meal for someone who is injured or disabled, seeking the spiritual well-being of your brothers and sisters. That's the spirit of Christ. Oh, you could use your you could use your money, your time, your energy for other things too, right? For yourself, for your own pleasure. Moses didn't do that. He refused to be called a prince the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And that's quite something, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. I've never had the opportunity to refuse a half a million dollars because it's never been offered to me. And if it's never offered to you, you never have the opportunity to refuse either, right? To refuse something means that it's been held out to you, offered to you, maybe even pushed on you. Think of Joseph in Egypt hundreds of years before Moses. Potiphar's wife said to him, come, lay with me. It was offered to him. He refused. It was pressed on him to have sexual relations with that high up lady. And don't think he wasn't tempted. Joseph wasn't a block of wood. But Joseph refused. And if you think about it, refusing is a very biblical word Christian word a word that belongs with living close to God and close to Christ with a, in a life of faith and repentance that you refuse certain things refuse what's so appealing to your flesh your sinful nature it's enticing seductive tempting others around you say come on go with us 
do as we do. And by nature, sure, you want to. But as believer, you refuse. You say no. No to others, but no to your, your own flesh too. And that no can be a big, big choice that impacts your whole life, like with Moses. But it can also be small choices on minor occasions, you know, an evening out with some other people. But you just say no, because you know where that's going. If you think about it, refusing is part and parcel of a life of faith and repentance then. That as a member of Christ, you have to say no to others who invite you to take part in something you know is not right, is against God's word and will. Maybe no even to friends in church. That's possible too. Or even that you need to refuse things that are so very attractive to your sinful nature, but which you know are going to take you away from your Savior who gave himself for you. Hey, and we know these things so well, and yet it's hard to say no. But you have to say no then. No to porn, to cheating on taxes. No to passing on that slander. No to drugs for young people. It's so available today. You see that refusing is actually a constant thing for Christians. It's actually a daily battle that requires constant prayer from you in your heart. Lord, renew me by your spirit so that I'm able to say no when I need to in order to keep following you, to stay close to you. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you can say you're a real follower. Can you say can you say you're a real follower of Christ if you seldom or ever refuse something offered to you in this fallen world? If you never say no what's to what's offered to your sinful nature, if you just follow your feelings and your flesh. How could that be? Christ said no to himself for you. When he agreed with God the Father to submit himself to become man, to suffer and to die in a cursed death for you. That was the biggest no ever. To himself. And he had to say no his whole life through here on earth too. Because every day was another day which was supposed to take him closer to the cross and the depths of hell that he would suffer there. And every day he was surrounded with people who were sinful by nature. And you can think of how the Son of God wrestled with himself in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night when he was betrayed. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. denied himself for us. And then you have to think of the words of the Savior in Luke 9. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Following him means self-denial, saying no to yourself. So brothers and sisters, young people, don't be afraid or ashamed to refuse something. 
that you know isn't right. It's every true Christian struggle to do that. Come to the second part of the sermon. Moses chose. Moses chose because Moses refused because he had chosen. The text that he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What was it? What is that choosing about? Well, imagine, brothers and sisters, that your mom would give you the choice of either an ice cream bar and a big bowl of jelly for dessert. Which one do you want? Nice big ice cream bar, a big bowl of jelly with whipped cream on top. Might be a difficult choice for you. Oh, I don't know. I'd like both. Maybe you would say to your mom, can I have both of them? But then that, that wouldn't be any choice, right? Choosing is not this and that. It's this or that. That's what it was for Moses. He refused one and then he chose for the other. Now let's think about those two things that Moses had to choose from. On the one hand, you had the treasures and pleasures of the Egyptian royal house. Egypt was the world power of those days. Must have been a fantastic place in the royal house there. Living, he could live in the palace as a prince of Egypt. Live like he wanted. No need to deny himself anything at all. And in the culture and religion of Egypt, the sun god Ra and the idolatry and lawlessness that came with that religion the text mentions the fleeting pleasures of sin. Maybe, maybe when he was younger, he had even kind of participated in some of those things himself. But even if he didn't take part in the sins there, he was surrounded by it. He was immersed in it so that he was also unable to do anything good for the people of Israel. So that was on the one hand. On the other hand, it was the life of the people of Israel. In Egypt, slaves whipped, beaten, forced to build whole cities, literally worked to death, oppressed, children killed. It was an awful existence. Living in Egypt was like living in a big Nazi concentration camp for the Israelites. There was great suffering. The Israelites were the people of promise, future promises. I will be God to you and your descendants after you. And you will be a blessing to the people of all nations on earth. Future promises, but present misery, suffering. Well, Moses chose to belong, to be part of those Israelites. And he made that choice obvious by going out to them. He wanted to identify with the people of God. The people who had to endure so much, but who he knew had God's eternal promises. And it's the same today, too. Today, the Church of Christ is more and more being looked down on in our nation. And in the world, faith in the Bible is looked down on, even more and more attacked by atheists and humanists. God's creation of all things out of nothing in six days, fable. Sin and hell are considered outdated concepts. 
And so why would someone called Jesus need to bring salvation? And how could dying on a cross anybody save anybody anyway? And I say, I'm sure you sense the rising anti-Christian attitude of so many in our civilization. Who want to live in a sin and glory in it. Are you choosing for Christ's church? Do you show that you belong to Christ's church here, even if it means being made fun of by others, looked down on, despised by others? Think of places like North Korea or Iran or China or Saudi Arabia, how Christians are treated in those countries. If you lived there, would you choose to be part of Christ's people in those places, even if it meant imprisonment? Maybe even death. God wants us to publicly profess our faith. Some young sisters hope to do that here this afternoon. But he doesn't only seek an official public profession like that one time. He wants us to profess that we belong to Christ and to follow him and choose for him every day. Not only in church, but in the classroom, at work wherever we are, among neighbors. He wants us all to choose for him and his people daily and in every circumstance. And then you can't be part of this and that. No, the choice is either or. You can't keep your life and you can't lose it at the same time. You can't say I'll live the way I want and whenever it's advantageous to me, I'll, I'll identify with God's people. If you want to maintain the say over your own life, you're going to lose it. If you think you knowingly keep and cherish, if you knowingly keep and cherish some sin in your heart even, that maybe not, no one sees it, but you, you keep it and you cherish it for your selfish pleasure or satisfaction, you are in danger of losing your life forever. No matter how much pleasure you find in what you're doing or what you're thinking. And it's one or the other. We need to lose our lives to God. Let him have this say over our whole lives. Choose him. In Adam, we chose for ourselves already. And now that's, that's ingrained in our nature. Eh? Also, as Christians yet, we want to be able to serve God when it's to our benefit. Otherwise, we like to serve ourselves a bit too. The thing is, we need to repent and choose for God's church, his people, his promises, himself. Again and again and again every day and then we'll be able to refuse too we come to the third part of the sermon Moses saw congregation Moses refused because he had chosen and he chose for persecution for being mistreated with the people of God as the text says why did he do that why did he make that choice well he, he chose because he saw it says in the text, he considered the reproach of Christ's greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He saw that. 
he saw that the reproach of Christ was greater than all the treasures of Egypt. I mentioned choosing between two desserts before, a big bowl of jelly with whipped cream or ice cream bar. It could be a hard choice if you both, if you love both of them. But this choice is a lot different. Moses' choice was between the life of a prince in, living in luxury or the life of an oppressed and beaten slave. His choice was between buying whatever you want and doing whatever you please every day and, and being dirt poor and being forced to work and getting beaten up every day. And looking at it on the surface, if we had to choose, it wouldn't be a, a hard choice. Right? Think about it. Think about it. On the one hand, you had what our text calls the reproach of Christ. That means suffering because you belong to Christ. Being mocked because you belong to Christ. Christ suffered mockery and rejection and beatings. You suffer that with Christ because of your hope in him. But you also see that whatever you suffer with and for Christ has incredible value. It's very valuable. It means peace with God in Christ. Knowing that the almighty and sovereign God loves you. And wants to work all things in your life for your good and for your salvation. It means that the curse hanging over your life is gone. It means dying and being raised with Christ. It means being heirs of all things with Christ. Belonging to Christ makes you rich. Rich in peace and joy and hope. And then to suffer the reproach of Christ. To suffer for him is actually Sweet. Think of the apostles after they were arrested and beaten by the Jewish leaders. It says in Acts 5 that after they left the council, they were beaten and they came back to the brothers and they rejoiced that they had been counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. Suffering verbally or physically for your Savior you see, that will only solidify your assurance that you belong to him and that you're heir with him of eternal joy and the everlasting treasures he has obtained by his cross. And are your eyes open to that beautiful treasure all the time? See, on the other hand, there was that life of luxury and pleasure and ease in the palaces of Egypt for Moses. Wine, women, and song available to him called the pleasures of sin in the text. How deep a person has fallen if he or she finds pleasure in sin. Pleasure in sin, in ignoring and going against God's will. Sin is rebellion against the holy and almighty Father who created you and gives you life. It's striking God the Son who gave his life for you on the cheek. It's grieving the Spirit who promised to work in your heart and then seeking your pleasure in that. Doing what offends a triune God. There can't be any value in that. And yes, sin can certainly be pleasant to the flesh. Sin promises excitement and enjoyment. It promises a lot. But those promises are empty. Those promises are lies. Fleeting means very brief in the text. The fleeting pleasures of sin. The pleasure one finds in sin is short passing. 
even if that pleasure lasts for a lifetime, let's say 90 years, when it's over, the pleasure is gone forever and ever. Life here is fleeting itself compared with eternity afterwards. Think of it. What comes after this fleeting life is an eternity then without one second of enjoyment at all or pleasure or happiness because that's what hell is like. No God, no pleasure, no joy for eternity. Well, Moses saw that. He saw how the reproach of Christ then was worth far more than the fleeting pleasures of sin. Amazing, seeing how for the most part he had grown up and lived separately from the Israelites. Yet he knew their story and about God and his promises. And he saw clearly in his heart the value of serving the God of promise over against the poverty of a life of sin and godlessness. And in our text, the Spirit wants to open the eyes of our hearts so that we again see too how living with Christ, suffering his reproach, is worth so much more than hanging on to the pleasures of sin today, being drawn in by the pleasures of sin today. By nature, by nature we're all very blind to that. So let's stay busy with the gospel every day. Open the word and pray in the name of our Savior that the Spirit will keep the eyes of your hearts open, keep them open to the poverty of sin and the true riches and pleasures there are in Christ in following him no matter what. We come to the last part of the sermon. Moses believed. Congregation, how was Moses able to make that comparison between the fleeting pleasures of sin and the eternal reward of suffering the reproach of Christ? How did the Holy Spirit open the eyes of his heart? It says at the beginning of the text, it was by faith. Faith. Moses refused because he had chosen and he had chosen because he saw clearly what was truly valuable and he saw the truth of that by faith. And faith, it says at the beginning of chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith Lord's Day 7 is the knowledge of God's promises and confidence in those promises. Even you can't see them, but you have them. And that's the beauty of a baptism. They're yours. You know that. Worked in the heart. Those, that, that faith is worked in the heart by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit. Moses knew about those promises. And you can imagine then how much the life in Pharaoh's palace bothered him. More and more, the longer he was there, until he couldn't stand how God's people were being treated. And he couldn't stand what he saw in Pharaoh's house either. And that was the work of the Spirit of Christ through the Word. Because that's how the Spirit works. Through the Gospel, the Word of, of God. And yes, Moses' anger boiled over and he did what was wrong when he killed the Egyptian. But still, by God's grace, he chose in faith and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And this isn't revealed to us so that we can say, wow, what a good man Moses was. It was the spirit working in him through the word that had been taught by faithful parents. Parents, you can be sure, who also fervently prayed for him 
You see here how God wonderfully blesses the instruction and prayers of parents. It says in Exodus that he was with his parents until he was, had grown up, grown up, maybe until he was a teenager or just before, 12 years old. You can be sure that they instructed him during those years. They had him in the house, his covenant child. They, they instructed him for as long as they had him. And they prayed for him. And especially, you can be sure, when he went away, had to say goodbye to his parents and live in the palace of the pharaoh. What a place of dangers and temptations that must have been for him. He lived there until he was 40 years of age. So at least maybe 20 years or more. Maybe Amram and Jochebed, his parents thought, oh, he's, he's most likely going to forget us. He's going to forget what we're about. Maybe he'll be totally taken up with the riches and pleasures there in Pharaoh's palace. But it becomes apparent that God blessed their instruction in his word and he heard their prayers for their child and he watched over Moses. Parents, what an encouragement to never let up praying for your children if they're out there somewhere too. So we need to say what a gracious God. It would have been totally unreasonable and understandable for Moses to choose the crown instead of the cross. But faith is not pure reason. The only reason Moses could see what was at stake and to choose for that cross instead of the crown and to refuse the pleasures of sin in Pharaoh's house was because of the spirit of Christ working in his heart through the word of promise. And that's how he came to say, give me the reproach of Christ above all the pleasures of sin here. The reproach of Christ. Hebrews 11 is, the, is in the New Testament, but Moses lived in the Old Testament. How could no, Moses know about choosing for Christ as it says in the text? Well, congregation, Christ was certainly there already for Moses. The Savior had been promised to Abraham and his descendants and to Israel, the nation of Israel. And he was in fact in Israel already, in the DNA of that enslaved and suffering people by promise. And Moses knew that. He knew it. And that's why he chose for that people when the time came. And in that, he in fact chose for Christ. Because when you say faith, you say Christ. He saw that in the people of Israel. He saw in them the foreshadowing of the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and men. He wasn't just drawn to Israel, in other words, but to Christ, drawn to Christ as promised to Israel. And notice that the text also says that he chose as he did for he was looking to the reward. And you know that reward isn't one which Moses hoped to earn by his choosing in faith. No, Moses was looking to the reward which would be earned by Christ on the cross for all who believe. For Israel, all who believe. He chose the reproach of Christ because he also saw and believed that Christ, the Savior, promised to Israel would obtain the eternal crown of glory also for him as one of God's people. In faith, Moses could look beyond the suffering of God's people in Egypt to the new Jerusalem, in fact, the eternal reward 
of all who love Christ. That reward obtained by Christ. We're all suffering and struggle is over and done with. And where every where God and the Lamb live in glory with all the redeemed forever and ever. Congregation, keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Humble yourselves before his word. Choose for his people and look for that awesome reward and you'll receive it then by grace as Moses did through Christ. Amen. Congregation, receive the blessing of the Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.